Hey, this is Joe Castiglione, and you're listening to Not Another Sox Podcast with Matt Cavall, Matt LeBeau, and Jack Webster. Can you believe it? amigos and welcome to episode 41 of not another socks podcast i am jack webster here with matt galvale and matt lebeau as always fellas the season is finally over (laughs) dude hallelujah right (laughs) jesus christ what a long Uh, what a long painful year but uh yeah that's it we got uh uh why is your best people are listening? This will be the last uh, day of the regular season for the Red Sox and the last day of their season. Um, I think it's, uh, it's I think everyone's ready to just uh, put an end to this one and, and wrap it up because this has been a nothing short of a disaster. Yeah, we are. We are ready. We are absolutely ready. I mean, it's been just a, a just a chore to come on here and do this as you know, everyone that listens and. Uh, likes to listen uh, knows it's just been brutal <laughs> i mean this team sucks absolutely sucks so it'll be nice to not have to tune in and follow the score and worry about it um you know just nice to not have to have red sox baseball for a little while yeah so first of all i want to shout out the fans that have followed us throughout this entire year uh, we had a lot of ups and downs. We had a lot of growth. Uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, really supporting us and building that foundation of what we want to continue to do for next year when hopefully the team is better. Uh, we, you know, probably fell behind on the ball a little bit at times this year. We realized, you know, that, you know, we're all three guys um, who have full-time jobs uh, doing this just for fun. So, um we hope to do a little bit more next season. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I want to also thank the fans listening in 2025 when we're World Series champions and uh, listening back to the classic episode. So shout out to the original fans, shout out to the new fans. But uh, uh, we're uh, going to make sure that uh, we just continue this uh, crazy journey along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No, real, real quick, I, I agree, just to add to that, um, because even though, like, when this team wasn't that great, and even when it was great, you know, when it was good, and we were talking, we were getting a lot of, you know, uh, new fans, a lot of listens, a lot of interactions with tweets, but even when they weren't good, which was the majority of the season, um, we still were getting a lot of that, which is awesome, and, and just, you know, goes to show that the, the, the Red Sox are just something that people care about so much around here. And even if, you know, you're a, a brand new podcast that's relatively mediocre at this point, uh, people are still going to tune in because they care so much about the organization. And um, and and, you, you know, you guys you guys like us, which is nice. This is awesome. Makes us feel good. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, same thing that LeBeau and, and Jack said, um, obviously a lot of growth and um you know a lot of people interacting with uh with us which was great 
And uh, that just got I me. Mean, that's kind of how it is with uh, with Boston sports in general. You know, people are very passionate. So um, whether the teams, you know, doing what they did last year or uh, or what we saw in 22, um, that's just how how the fans are around here, which is, um, you know, a great market to be in. So we're we're lucky to we're lucky to be here with, uh, you know, being fans of this team and in, a, in, in such a great market like Boston. So fits uh fits really well yeah i mean um really up until like the last probably four or five days even at fenway you've seen pretty full crowds there throughout the year i mean really now that it's like october and it's rainy and you're not gonna see a lot of people actually at fenway park for good reason I even had tickets to that uh, Thursday day game in the afternoon. I wasn't even able to give them away for free. Like that kind of just <laughs> shows the state of where the team is at and everything. But, um, you know, I there are better days on the horizon. It's easy to be down on this team for rightful reasons. There were so many holes that we should have addressed early on in the season that were just kind of left in the wayside almost. And then, you know, things that we either could have addressed or not at the deadline, which was a little bit of a mixed bag even, but it just never felt like even since April that we had everything figured out and, all the pieces of the puzzle were there. There, it's always felt like something was a little bit missing. Yeah, no, I think you said it. I think you said it pretty. Uh, I think you said it well, Jack. Um, it always, it did feel like something was always missing um, with this team, and that kind of started, um, you know, in, in the winter. Um, you know, right before the season, right before the lockout, right before the uh, the season started. Um, it just always felt like there were there were a lot of holes and, and not everything was addressed. And, and that that kind of took its course to the season and, and up until the trade de- deadline, like you mentioned, too. It never felt like they were in one way or the other, um, which was frustrating. Yeah. But it almost felt like a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a wasted year in the sense where before this season, I know, you know, they knew what you know, what holes they needed to fill and they just didn't do it and they they kind of came into the year like that and um it was it was frustrating and that's kind of the product that you got throughout 2022 yes there was obviously a lot of holes with the uh with the team but i mean it was hard because we didn't really know like exactly um who was going to do well who's i mean you could say that about any sports team right you don't exactly know what's going to happen how it's going to play out but there was a lot of good players that had really down years as well. And we talked about this a little bit before the show. So we had a lot of injuries and you can't really blame injuries because, you know, although we like to hate on the Yankees, I've seen the Yankees get decimated with injuries over the past few years and still finish in like, you know, second or third place or in a playoff spot. So, I mean, you, you really can't blame that. But, yeah, there were a lot of holes. I mean, you had your Travis Shaw's, your Jackie Bradley's, Kevin Fleckies, you know, those guys that probably shouldn't have been on a major league roster and made it. So that hurts. But the good players have to perform. When the good players are performing, those bad players don't stand out nearly as much. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, 
the two big things every single person likes to point out is not having 75 home runs for uh, between Kyle Schwarber and Hunter Renfro, especially when that would have taken the team from about 150 to close to 200, hypothetically. Um, so, I mean, that is obviously a big hole to fill. I'm not going to just blame it on those two exact moves, too. It comes a lot from J.D. Martinez hitting under 20 home runs. Even Xander hitting under 20 home runs. Uh, Devers was hurt the second half. I'm really having a hard time blaming him after the first half he had. But even still, Verdugo, low teens, rest of the outfield, almost nothing. First base, even Bobby Dahlbeck uh, only hit probably about a dozen home runs. Even at first base, we hit less than 30 home runs on the season. So it just does feel like there. It just feels like there's a lot of holes that need to be filled, specifically in that category, uh, moving forward. But um, uh, I think you know those are very possible things that um, we are able to improve upon. Uh, towards the next year even just by playing better yeah and when you have no role players and some of your better players don't play well i mean that's just a recipe for disaster i mean that's literally all it takes to be a bad team um some years when maybe some of the better players haven't played well you know role players have stepped up but we just didn't have that this year and so obviously some guys had okay years Right. There were some bright spots, no doubt, just like there is any, any year. But you just didn't have like someone emerging as a, an all star. You know, there was no there was no all stars that came like out of nowhere. And when your your good guys don't play well, you know, Xander under 20 home runs, like you said, J.D. under 20 home runs. You just you're, you're just not you're just not going to make the playoffs. Right now, exactly. I mean. It was obviously so much hype, um, you know, about this with this team going, you know, into 2022, just because of everything that you saw, um, just because everything that you saw from last year in, in the playoffs and going all the way to the ALCS, there was just um, there was so many good things that, that you saw from this team. And there was obviously uh, there was a lot of hype going into this year and everything kind of crumbled. And it's funny that you. Mentioned like we had guys like uh, Travis Shaw and, and JBJ that you you forget like what that looked like at, in April and in you know late March of what this team looked like um, heading into the season and when you got you know guys like that and obviously missing guys like Renfro that's that that's huge and then obviously the the sale injury and then re injury and everything that went on with with him too it, it seems like. It's the whole, I guess, like the whole theme of this season was nothing. Like when things seemed to be going right, like something went wrong and then it was just back downhill. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. So I kind of feel like this is almost the most forgettable year of Red Sox baseball. 2012, you remember how bad it was with Bobby Valentine in the shit show every day. 2014, you remember the fire sale. Um, 2015, you remember like getting Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez. Even 2019 was kind of that bridge year. But um, this year, I'm not sure what I'm actually gonna remember from it. Like I remember that like Verdugo uh, hit off a of Clay Holmes uh, uh, in, against the Yankees, and where we ended up walking it off. I remember like 
a handful of other things. I remember, I'll remember Bayo and Casas coming up and all that. But I feel like there's really not a lot to hold on to this year from. It's a last place finish without really kind of almost being worse. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is worse. Right. I agree. This kind of this is like a hybrid between 2015 and 2019. Like 2019, the disappointment, you know, the injuries, the underperforming coming off a World Series, which trust me, I mean, obviously we're not, you know, we're not coming off a World Series, but it felt like that this year. Like it felt like that. You know, like this team was like last year was like a preview of what could come for the next few years. And um, but with 2015, the one thing I will say is you left that year with like some hope, right? Like you left with the idea that you had some young players like, you know, Mookie Betts came and emerged in 2015. And he started being like almost, you know, he, he was guaranteed to be a full time guy. Um, you see that with Cassis. You see that with Bayo. You know, I think that there's a lot of good things going forward that this team has. But then it also has like a feeling of where you might be losing, you know, two of your best players offensively and you have to replace those guys. I mean, you can't lose Zan, right? And, and I mean, Devers is obviously not a free agent yet, but you can't lose both those guys and expect to be. Uh, uh, you know, successful organization. It's not going to happen. Right. No, exactly. And that, and that well, kind of, not only um, that. yeah, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, no, 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 going no, off no of, you, no, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Um, and that, uh, yeah, I mean, going off of what you said, LeBall, obviously you can't lose, um, you know, guys like, you know, Xander and obviously Devers with the situation that he's in going into next season, um, obviously looking for that extension. Um, it, it just kind of, you know, goes into what this, this is a, obviously a very pivotal, um, you know, off season for Heim Bloom. He's got a lot of decisions to make, um, not only him, but the Red Sox front office in general, they, uh, they need to go in a, in a, they need to, really go in the right direction this year because it's it's very pivotal as far as you know guys really the future of this team you know obviously fans don't want to see this happen again in, in 2023 what we had this year um and so this off this he's got a lot of work to do um this offseason in, in constructing um you know a, a winning roster not a and not you know a roster that's you know going to end up at the bottom of the division again because you know, we just we just can't have that. Um, not a few of the Red Sox, at least. No, you can't. No, last place again. He's gone. You know, Brent Core is probably gone too. Sadly. Yeah. No, we saw even um, Dave Ombrowski, Ben Charrington fired in August. If the team is not in playoff contention, I mean, there was not real question if it would happen this year. I don't think anybody that kind of knows the industry follows the team actually thought that they were going to be fired then but this is unacceptable we've said it so many times on the podcast you can't have a second year like this and expect to continue to float on this is a big market team uh people pay a lot for tickets people um come out even when the team is bad a lot but it's feels like you know a year like this year they weren't not trying. 
the the intent was there to actually build a good ball club and go back to the ALCS, go to the World Series, uh, possibly. I don't think the effort wasn't there. There was a lot of moves that were definitely questionable in the and the retrospect, even at the time. Uh, I remember essentially recording with you guys and uh, the Hunter Renfro for JBJ deal came out. But this team wasn't tanking. I hope they actually make the moves that are necessary in the offseason. And I hope they kind of go more in an actual direction than in the last uh, 12 months or so. Right. Yeah, I think that's what really fans are, are looking for. There was uh, really a sense of direction because we, you know, kind of talked about it before the trade deadline. Even I think that was like the big thing that happened where it was like, all right, are they going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? And they kind of went, you know, somewhere right down the middle, which obviously you don't want to see. You kind of want to see the team go in one sort of direction. You know, do you think you're going to go out? Are you going to go out and try to make a run? or are you going to evaluate your team and say, you know what, this team doesn't just doesn't have it this year, and 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 sell pieces and and get assets for them um, instead of just letting them walk? And they really didn't go in either direction. Yeah, I you saw the Vasquez deal happen, and then you know when that happened, I think people were like, okay, well maybe JD's next or Evaldi's next, um, you know, or whoever it is, one of those you know big free agents to be, um, and it never happened happen so it was uh it was just a little confusing i i thought yeah i, I think i think that what what seems to be is that heimbloom lacks uh, uh like almost like an identity with the red sox so far like he had an identity with the rays and this is where it makes me believe that it's possibly not the best fit organizationally because i feel like he's caught in the middle between keeping the fans and ownership happy, but also like trying to, you know, do his thing. Right. And like his, his thing is like completely tear down an organization, rebuild it from the bottom up and, you know, not worry about pressure from fans or winning or anything like that. And and really build like a good, good structural organization that is pretty much self-sufficient and it'll never like collapse. Right. Which is cool. But then he's also like signing Trevor story. And then you see him like you, you see him trade Hunter Renfro for, you know, a, a dog shit prospect and JBJ to save a little little coin in the future. And it's like, all right, well, you know, but if you're going to do that, then pick a lane, like either either tear it down, you know, and, and don't sign Trevor story and be over the luxury tax. Or, you know, keep Hunter Renfro and use him to help you win in 2022. Or you can trade him at the deadline if you're not in it. You know, like trading for JBJ and that was Barat. Barat, who is it? Alex Benellis. Alex Benellis. Benellis, yeah. Yeah. Fucking absolute stiff. What a fucking stiff he is. Holy shit. I looked at his numbers in like 160. Mm. Like, holy hell. And I know that's not Heim Bloom's fault. You know, he doesn't know, but Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, Hunter Renfro's a 30 home run guy. You know, and I'm not even worried about Schwarber. Like, everyone's yeah. like, oh, Kyle Schwarber. Where the fuck are you going to put Schwarber? Where would you have put, put Schwarber? 
You know, I, I don't understand. I mean, left uh, there was a gaping hole at first base. I would yeah, I, even with four subpar defense, oh. I might have taken him there. And I and I agree with you, Kyle Schwarber. You know, hit over forty home runs. Maybe by the time you're listening, he is already hit fifty by a game one sixty two. Who knows? But um, he wouldn't have saved this team either. I I think the narrative of even Renfro and Schwarber saving this team would have only put us in fourth place. It may have put us best case scenario in that last wild card spot where we would have made it in. Maybe we win that uh, wild card series and then lose to the Yankees or lose to the Astros or lose to whoever. Um, there, there's a lot bigger holes to this team than the moves or non-moves than we did make. Uh, we were kind of saying this before, that a lot of the things came from a lot of guys underperforming this season. Um, and hopefully, you know, you can keep on to guys like Devers and Bogey. And um, hopefully Story has a nice rebound year where he actually is able to be a 2020 guy or even maybe even a 30-30 guy. Who knows? Uh, if he's able to play, you know, close to 150, 155 games. But really what it comes down to is this team just needs to perform better. We had the pieces. We had the talent. There's no reason the Orioles are better than us this year. There's no reason we should be in last. There's no reason we should be uh, below 500 other than, you know, this wasn't there. Yep. Oh, exactly. And uh, I think there's a lot to like. Um well, there's a lot to look forward to, rather, um, you know, this offseason, because it's not like the team is terrible. I mean, there's there's or as far as talent wise, I mean, we there there are talented players, obviously, bring back bogey. Like you mentioned, Jack, you have story, um, you know, uh, you, you have hopefully you bring in, you know, uh, some starting pitching and maybe get some help on the bullpen. I think you're going to be right there. I mean, you know. I, I don't think they're – it's not like we're talking about a team that's like, you know, years away from contention. I mean, th- this team, you know, you add the pieces and, you know, you could be right back there in, in 2023. So um, it's it's more, you know, obviously addressing the holes that need to be filled. And, um, you know, once you go – once you get that done, you, you know, you put yourself in a, in a hopefully a lot better position than you were this past season. Yeah. And I think we'll do like um, like a show, like an off-season preview show. Maybe you know, right. figure out, assess where we want to go, and make some predictions and whatnot. But yeah, there's a lot to talk about this off-season. I mean, that you could really make the argument this is the biggest off-season for the Boston Red Sox since. I mean, wow. The year they got Beckett and Lowell, like that was a big one. But I don't know, man. I mean, 2012, well, 2012, going into 2012 when they fired Terry Francona. But I don't know, man. This is is one of the biggest you'll see. This is the biggest for Heim Bloom in his career. Well, actually, I would even argue since 2014. Or 2014 and 2015, because 2013, we won that World Series. 
2014, we had to sell Lackey, Lester, anybody that had a fucking name, essentially. So there was a lot of questions going into 2015. I don't, I mean, they obviously signed Hanley, they signed Pablo. That team was trying to compete for uh, Ben Charrington's best, which is uh, showing off his best in Pittsburgh right now as well, with the worst fucking team in baseball. (laughs) So uh, I, I feel like Maybe that's the only comparable time, but it's still just like, are we really comparing ourselves to the 2014, 2015 Red Sox right now? Is that the, the what we're hoping for? They're going to need a lot. They're going to need a lot. And they have a lot of money to spend, so I, I will say. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways they can go with it. There's a lot of options. But, yeah, they're going to need a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah, and I, and I think, obviously, that, I think the good thing is really that, you know, Bloom knows that. Um, and he knows that this is a big year for him. Um, not only, obviously, for his job with the Red Sox, but his career going forward. I mean, this is a this is a pivotal moment for a guy like Bloom to, to really have a good offseason and to make sure that, uh, you know, he puts, obviously, the team, but also he puts his career in uh, in jeopardy here if you, you know, if you, if you fail this offseason. Oh yeah, he's fucked. If if yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, he he won't. There's no way he even keeps his job halfway through the season. If we were anything like we were, even halfway through the year this year, we need to be really there with the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and even beyond the Rays and Orioles. Like I know this might be the toughest division in baseball. There is no reason why we shouldn't be one of the top dogs of the class like we have the system now we have the money we have uh even the talent already on the team so like if there's another year like this year i honestly say sell everything rebuild from the scratch i'm not ready to do that yet i'm willing to just put the money on the house essentially at this point trade whoever you need to to get somebody uh, a frontline starter, a D, DH, left outfielder, whatever we need. We need to actually build a winning franchise again. Yeah. They they need to manage this a little bit more like, like Dombrowski this offseason, right? Like, and they need to do whatever you, 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 it takes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but especially like if the Yankees finish out this year with a championship and the Red Sox don't do much in the offseason, it's gonna be it's gonna be brutal around here. Just brutal. Right. I mean, listening to sports talk radio, different podcasts, I mean, they're just gonna be under so much heat and so much yeah. just fire. Um but the I, I do, you know, I will say, even though Heim hasn't really done anything to impress me yet. Um, I look back on the moves that he's made, and he's kind of he he's kind of like I, I don't want to say like it's like he 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 kind of like went back on them and 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 screwed them up because like one of one of the good moves he made was Hunter Renfro, right? And then he right. fucking traded him. So like I don't know he hasn't really done anything to impress me yet, but I, I have faith in him this offseason that he will and he'll figure it out and 
I think they'll get some really good players, and I think they'll get some guys that, you know, you know are good players, and I think they'll get some guys that maybe you, we don't realize, like a lot of like Red Sox fans don't realize that are that great. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll turn out to be pretty good. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful. Big winter ahead. Huge. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be over, uh, the luxury tax like we were, uh, this year, <laughs> go fucking balls to the wall, sign whoever, sign Justin Verlander to a 40 year, 1 million or one year, $40 million deal. Like, I do yep. not care how much we go over yeah. that luxury tax if it's for a single season. You have to obviously plan for the future as well. But for one year, there's no reason why we shouldn't uh, be in on just about anybody. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Should have happened this, this past year. Yeah. I would give Aaron Boston. Judge a one-year $75 million. <laughs> one year, you come to Boston, you're 31, you're 32, you're going to hit 70 home runs for us, we're going to give you $75 million, and then you hit to get to hit free agency again. What do you have to lose? Not much. Yeah. That's a good deal. Well, he's going to be a future Red Sox anyway. He'll be here. Yeah, on that one-year deal. It doesn't matter. It's fucking John Henry's Liverpool and Pittsburgh Penguins money. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's not your money. I'll no, pay but more I mean... for tickets if it means Aaron Judge uh, 73 home runs for us next year. Or 74, sorry. He's going to break the home run record at Fenway. The real one. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's seg- a good segue, Jack. That uh, seg- segues us right into... Uh, Right before we recorded, uh, Aaron Judge um, <laughs> broke the uh, AL single season record. Um, as I'm sure, obviously, everybody that <laughs> everybody that's listening, knows, yeah. this gets this gets uh, Jack uh, really uh, really hot when he talks about this. So I'm gonna let you take the floor. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really find that it's so inspirational that he has broken a record that has been broken six times by three different players, one of which was his childhood idol in Barry Bonds. So <laughs> um, I would also really like to congratulate Roger Maris Jr. on being the biggest virgin of all time. It's really hard to like dethrone all those other virgins that have come before you. But I can never believe somebody that just sucks on his dad's own cock like that has ever had sex with an actual female. Um, So, you know, I'm glad he was there in person. I'm glad he was able to take three weeks off of his job to uh, not actually do anything um, and just love his father's curtails for the rest of his life. But, I mean, he finally did it. I mean, it's great in the era where there's been more home runs hit than any other point, even during the steroid era in MLB history, um, just because Rob Manfred wanted to juice up those balls uh, to have this record be broken and uh, be- make baseball more exciting. So congratulations, uh, Aaron Judge, on uh, you know all your accomplishments, and I can't wait to see you to do it in uh, Boston and uh, 2023 20- and beyond. This motherfucker spin. 
<laughs> good, good rant, Jack. Good rant. Yeah, can, can you tell I've been sitting on this? <laughs> I know that's been cooking up for a while. Yeah, it was good. And also, I'm not done. I'm sorry, I'm not done. Um, also, I am so glad that he did it on a Tuesday night uh, while we cut away from college football for uh, every single at-bat to see him either take a walk or strike out for the last two weeks here. I'm sure that's great for baseball. I'm sure, you know, oh, my God, oh, look at all the attention from Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs. Yeah, we know. We've been forced. We've been fucking forced fed to watch this. It has been unbelievable. I did not see this for Albert Pujols hitting seven home runs. I, I'm so glad that he did that in between, like, three at-bats between 699 and 700. So that way we didn't have to lose our goddamn minds for two weeks and pretend like we're really chasing history for when it's something that's already happened before. It's great to see Pujols get pitch or sliders right down the goddamn dick so he can hit it out. That's great. I don't want to see Yankees fans complaining that we're like, you know, oh, he's pitching outside and Aaron Judge has a good strike zone just because, uh, oh, my God, uh, he's the best home run hitter since Barry Bonds. No shit are you going to walk him. Why are you complaining that nobody's pitching to him while he's also simultaneously maybe one of the best offensive seasons we've seen in a while? You can't have your cake and eat it, too. I really cannot believe how much shit that we've had to go through over the last, like, two, three weeks just listening to this over and over and over again. I'm just so glad that it's finally over. So that way, like, I I can just throw it away now. Like, nobody gave a shit when Barry Bonds, like, Babe Ruth's all-time record or Hank Aaron's all-time record for home runs. It felt so tainted, and that's how it feels with this. And I'm just so over it. Yeah, that was well done. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, good for Aaron Judge. That's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna slander a future Red Sox. So, because um, you'll, you know, you'll regret that when he's on the Red Sox next year. <laughs> when when we sign him, play this clip on repeat. I don't give a shit. Um, no, I hear you. Yeah, it's annoying. I mean, the cutting away, like the cut. Yeah, I mean, the cutting away from like college football games is hilarious to me. Like, I can't tell you how many people did not give a fuck. Like, and and we like baseball, and we didn't care. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people hate baseball. Like this fucking shit again. It's for two weeks. Yep. It is true, though, what Jack said. It's just like it's 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 something that's like it's already been done before. Like guys have hit these many. I get he's like the now he's like the all time AA, AL, uh, you know, single season record. But I mean, as far as hitting that many home runs, it's like, yeah, it's been done numerous times, you know, by multiple players. So it's. I don't know. It's definitely annoying, and I'm glad that it's, you know, you don't have to see it on, you know, every time you're scrolling on Twitter or, or watching TV or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's over now, so thank God. Yep, it can't hurt us anymore. That's right. <laughs> but, Jack, that was, an, uh, yeah. that was an all-time rant, dude. Yeah, it was good. It was solid. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I had a lot to get off my chest. It actually feels like very relieving. It feels yeah, like a lot. you know, like almost like that like runner's high where like you're done and you're like, <sighs> like I'm taking a nice cold shower and like I'm just relaxing, <laughs> getting all the sweat off of me. I I feel I finally feel like I'm not dirty anymore. Nice, <laughs> good. Well, I'm happy for you. You know that's that's all that matters. Thank you. That's it. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> um. Yeah, nonetheless, you know, Aaron Judge, 62, cool for him. Yankees are going to get bounced by the Guardians, so doesn't even matter. Um, and then he's going to want to leave. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I know I've said this before. I think the Mets kind of collapsing. I know as of right now, the Mets are still mathematically limit are still in this, depending on how the – Braves and Marlins game go, and um, if the Mets can hold on to the 7-0 lead in the first over the Nationals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I feel like the Mets blowing that lead to the Braves really cements him going to the Mets. I love him on uh, the Red Sox. I love him on the Oakland Athletics for a 25% stake in that franchise in total. Uh, which I think is honestly probably equivalent to as much as he's going to make on the open market. But uh, I, it, I just don't really see him going back to New York unless if they win the World Series. If they don't win the World Series, there is a zero percent chance Aaron Judge is re-signing in New York. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, I agree. I mean, it, but here's the thing though: if the Yankees don't bring him back. I mean, he carried that team, you know, carried them offensively. Yeah. Oh, are you going to j- count on uh, Giancarlo Stan striking out 200 times and maybe hitting 30 home runs to save your season? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly you can't rely on LeMahieu, Glaber, you know, and then some of the young guys and Stan, you know, so that's just not enough. But I think they would obviously replace. I mean, they, they would, it would free up some money, too. I mean, what he's making after arbitration, he's making 20 million. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I, that's I don't not know. that much. That's not like a crazy amount. No, but it would free up a little bit, of, a little bit of money. Yeah. Yankees fans. You know what? I, I hope the Yankees free up that money. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, see, the thing is, I don't know if the Red Sox can sign Aaron Judge and fill the rest of their holes. Yeah. You know, they'd have to roll with. They pretty much have to roll with like their rotation with what they have now. Like Sale, Whitlock, Pavetta, Bayo. You know, maybe sign like a lower level guy, but Cutter Crawford, like the rotation would be like set. Rich Hill comes back. Yeah. You could do judge. You could do judge <laughs> and you could do like a, like Kenley Jansen. And then you could do like Maybe you sign like a like a low level starter, I guess. But then you also have to worry about Bogart and the inevitable uh, Devers. Right. I still I think you'd have enough money for for Devers. I don't think you could do Bogarts though if you sign Judge. One or the other, yeah. Yeah, but you. I think. See, I think Devers is. I think you're gonna figure out Devers either way. I do believe that. So, I just don't see 
Red Sox fans being okay with ownership or, you know, management, so to speak, not bringing back Devers. I think they'll lose out on a lot of tickets, jerseys, and things. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be the nail in the coffin for them. I, I don't think fans could um, could forgive them for that. After right. what happened, obviously, with a lot of their other younger players, like, you know, Betts and um, – yeah, I just, I yeah, losing Devers would, would be it. specifically, yeah. Right. You you can let you know Erod and whoever walk, uh, but having to trade Mookie, tough look, right move. I don't think any of us are denying that. Yeah, going into the 2020 season, even before you know the whole world shut down, Mookie bets trading Mookie bets was the right move. It was, and it ended up only only uh, working out better, given that we traded him for 60 games, got guys back, maybe didn't pan out quite to the degree that we wanted. But it, it, the other option was trading Mookie during a th- for 20 games, getting almost nothing back, and then still having the Dodgers sign him to that pretty much same deal after the fact. So um, the Mookie one, I'm willing to let be in the past, sucked. He was my favorite player. I'm not willing to deny that. You can look at my old fucking tweets however much you want. Um, But (laughs) you can't let that happen again with Bogey and Devers. I really do think you need to find a way to keep both of them and um, really build your franchise around those two cornerstone guys instead of having to sign free agents, instead of having to trade for the next Chris L. We already have them. They're right here. They're probably willing to even take a little less money. Well, I, I was just watching the video of the dude that caught Aaron Judge's 62. It's fucking nuts, man. <laughs> What about the dude that just fell from the... Yeah, he just fell. That's <laughs> so just... funny. That's so good. That is so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Would you, so dive, would, would you dive into the uh, into the bullpen for that? No, well, because someone died in Texas falling over Doing the that, yeah. stands. Yeah, someone died. Like uh, He was trying yep. to get like a ball for his son or something like that, and he just fucking straight up died. So like, It was no. like Josh yeah. Hamilton Homer or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Jeez. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. Not in Texas. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be the second fucking dude that dies. But um, so here, so here's something that uh, I'll say. I thought that the MLB recognized Roger Maris, 61 home runs, as the MLB record for home runs. No. I, I thought that's how well, it worked. Because, uh, Barry Bond, Sammy Sosa, and Mark McGuire hit more. I hope I could clear that up for you. Well, no shit. I know that, dickhead. I'm saying that <laughs> I, I thought that th- they were they were like asterisked in the record books as like not counting in MLB's perspective. That's oh. what I thought. So here, so I thought that this whole time, I thought Aaron Judge was going for the like what was the MLB considered the single season home run record for the entire league. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh, 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 yeah, okay. So they they recognize, obviously, Sosa, Bonds, McGuire as 
the MLB single season home run champions or champion for Bonds. Right. For in Bonds' case, he's the sole champion. So all this uh, so, so all this hoopla actually, for the fucking American League record, huh? Right. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah, no, it, it's the uh, American League home run record, which I guess means something. I mean, the American League is younger than the National League, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I had this take um, earlier today even. So I think for a long time it did make sense to have an AL and AL or a, AL and NL MVP Cy Young Rookie of the Year. But the leagues are integrated at this point, or, or not integrated. Um, uh, you know, there's no difference between the AL and NL. We right. face all 30 teams uh, every single year now. So I don't see why we need to have the need for two MVPs, two Cy Youngs, two Rookie of the Years, yeah. anything like that. Um, so the home run record is 73 like Aaron Judge has said himself, uh, because he grew up a Giants fan watching Barry Bonds do some cool shit. Um, but it, it, I don't even remember where I was going with this at this point, to be honest. But Aaron, you're just intoxicated. You know, Aaron Judge is not the home run champion. That, that's all that I need. Uh, I wanted to say Aaron Judge is not the actual home run champion. No, it's Roger Maris Jr. Oh, no, I remember. Sorry, I remember where I was going with this now. Uh, so the only asterisk ever put on a home run record was Roger Maris because uh, the commissioner at the time was like, oh, well, Babe Ruth did it in 154 right. games. You right. did it 162 games. So, like, yeah, you hit 61 home runs, but there's an asterisk on saying you did it in 162 games. That asterisk got removed. There was never an asterisk for Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, anybody else. The only asterisk each on Roger Maris. Yeah, so, crazy. Any Yankees <laughs> fans complaining about that? Like, you need to literally just read a goddamn book. Yeah. Dude, that oh, that's a, the the Roger Maris his son. Um, that reminds me that he was he said said the other day that. Uh, the MLB should have like a, a separate uh, home run record, like that's not including like Barry Bonds. Like they should have two different records. They have Bonds's, and then they have, um, and then they have that's, anybody that anybody that's, that's come that's, after that. That's what I thought they had the whole time. Yeah, like that's great. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I really thought. I don't know why I thought that. I, I just must have misunderstood somehow along the way. Which kind of makes it even crazier that they were doing all this for just an American League home run record. Yeah, exactly. That's it's, what I'm saying. Like, I could, I could, I could see if it was like the major league record, but it's not. Which is yeah, all this for the funny. AL record. I mean, I have the AL record for hot dogs consumed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Go we got a hot dog video or what? I, oh, yeah, are we I ever know. gonna get that nine 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 video? Like, I, I like, I feel like it's a running gag at this point. It's a, it's all a prank. <laughs> it never, it never happened, dude. It happened. 
No one knows that we actually did the 999 challenge, other than, like, the five people that were there for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) They know who they are. And they know who they are. (laughs) Um, Also, shout out uh, Dennis Eckersley. That's right. He has um, been with uh, the Nesson for how many years now? And I think over, I, I've actually watched the last few games just because of Beck. And it's been so heartwarming for him to say how much he loves being a New Englander, even though he's a Cali boy. He pitched in one World Series for the Oakland A's, but like he says he feels like a New Englander. And I really believe that. I played for the A's. I went to the Hall of Fame as an Oakland A. I had, you know, that is my hometown. But this is my home. This is my home, you know, and I'm a Boston Red Sox. I'm sad to see him go for, you know, uh, most broadcasts. I'm sure he'll pop in here and there just because he's always at Fenway. I don't think he can really keep himself out of it, truth be told. But um, it is going to be, you know, sad to not hear him on the broadcast anymore. I really uh, was kind of hoping he might... uh, be the color guy uh, moving forward, but I respect his decision and um, I wish him uh, nothing but the best in retirement. Jack, you a little? Do you think you were a little buzzed? A little. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, X awesome. <laughs> He's the best color commentator in the history of Major League Baseball, as far as I'm concerned. I, I actually don't even think it's close. Um, I think Jerry Remy is on second to Dennis Eckersley in terms of ability. I think the Red Sox were blessed. Uh, unfortunately, I think Eck truly was just a little bit better than than Remy. Not to disrespect, you know, obviously uh, Red Sox legend who just passed away. No disrespect, Jerry Remy is unbelievable or was unbelievable in his job. But Eck is just truly uh, just a pro, awesome guy, um, unbelievable to listen to, excellent insight, funny, uh, always told it like it was. So you know, we're definitely gonna miss him uh, on the broadcast for sure. Definitely, yeah. And I think, like you said, LeBeau, he always kept it, uh, he always, you know, called it like it was. You know, he kept it real, and I think that's what a lot of people liked about him. Because, um, I mean, sometimes you listen to broadcasts and you can just tell, like, you know, they, they're they not going to, like, you know, take digs at players and or, you know, say something. Like, they're not going to really call it how it is because they don't want to get that, like, backlash from the team or – they don't want to get into it with players, but you know, he, he wasn't afraid of that. I mean, he'd, he'd call it like it is, like you said. And um, I think a lot of people respected him for that. And um, also his humor in the booth was great. Um, you know, it spawned Twitter accounts like, you know, actionary where, you know, they tweet out a, a lot of the, you know, funny stuff he used to say, uh, you know, throughout the game, um, yep. you know, throughout the broadcast. So it's been good, man. He's um, obviously a legend. So um it's just tough to see him go because, uh, you know, of how, how proud Brady was in the booth and how Brady was uh, to listen to. So, yeah. Speaking of going, um, my phone's about to die. This is a pretty long show here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what do you think? You want to call it? Uh, real quick, I want the least valuable player and the least valuable uh, pitcher from you guys. Wow, that's tough. There's so many uh, options. There's <laughs> no. a lot. Um, you know, you want to say Ryan Brazier for least five pitcher, but you simply can't just because how many innings he pitched. So 
that's just not realistic. Um, least valuable player. I'm gonna go uh, least valuable uh, least valuable player. Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah, least pitcher. Uh, Josh Winkowski. I hope I never see you again. Yep. Okay. I'll do then. Then I'll do least valuable player has got to be. Hmm. You know what? I hate to pick the same guy, but it's got to be Bobby. It just has to be Bobby. And then for least valuable pitcher, I will actually go Connor Seabold. Fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I got to make it unanimous with, with Bobby Dahlbeck. You know, we, we all said there was a lot of promise heading into the season. And, uh, you know, we really just didn't uh, we really just didn't get that uh, from him. And for the pitcher. Uh, he could go Brazier. I guess I'll just go Rich Hill. He probably shouldn't even be pitching right now. Way too if old. you want to re-sign Rich Hill, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and you know what? At the end of the year, it turned out he didn't really have that terrible of a year, but still, yeah. he just... But you know what, though? That's, that's where stats become um, skewed because when the Red Sox really needed him to pitch well, he didn't. But statistics will show you at the end of the year, he pitched 125 innings, you know, had just around a four ERA, whatever. But he shit his pants every time the Red Sox needed him to do something. Something. So stats can be skewed. I, Rich Hill's on my hate list. He does not deserve to be back next year. Um, he, he It was cool to see, you know, a New England kid play a whole season with the Red Sox and um, his son, you know, travels with the team and whatnot, hangs out with the team. So that's really cool. You know, I was happy to his son Bryce got to do all that stuff. But nope, Same not with, uh, Roger Maris Jr. Uh, I mean, he got to travel <laughs> with the team for uh, extended <laughs> period of time with his dad. But yeah, that uh, that's good. Least valuable, Bobby Dahlbeck. Congrats, you did it. Dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh, All right. Uh, one last time for the year. I'm in the corner <laughs> watching you dance. Peace. Whoa.